Amen. Go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Well, have you enjoyed this series? Amen. Amen. This has been good. This has been good. It, it's, it's so funny how God works. You know, he, I don't know how every pastor does it. I don't know how every pastor gets their sermons and their messages. But for me, you know, God, like, he, he, he takes off the tip of the iceberg for me. And then as I'm in it, he starts unveiling stuff and then showing me things. And so I'm really, you know, a lot of times learning this right along with you, uh, seeing a lot of this stuff, this stuff, having a lot of this revealed to me for the first time. And so it's just been awesome to see what God has revealed. But basically what we've been looking at is heaven. Heaven is not simply a place that we are looking to go to, although that is something that we look forward to. Even Paul mentioned, I eagerly wait. I eagerly wait for what? For the transition to heaven where my body down here on earth is transitioned with God and is in heaven. And and, and honestly, Paul was always going from the side of uh, uh, this body that I'm in. It's it's mortal. It's decaying. I mean, from the second you were born, you're on the downward. I mean, there's there's an end. From the beginning, there's an end to this thing. And so Paul's identifying, look, I'm excited to get to a place where I don't have to think about an end or there's there's a day where it's going to come where I'm no longer going to exist. or this body's not going to be able to hold up anymore. That's just natural stuff that we have to deal with. But he was looking forward to a day where his body would take on immortality, he said, take on immortality, become immortal to where I can fulfill my purpose and not have to worry about tomorrow morning and am I going to wake up and not be able to do what I'm called to do. That's ultimately what he was talking about. It wasn't so much being in the presence of God because we have God's presence here with us today. It wasn't so much being able to access all that heaven has for us because as we've seen through this series, we're able to access heaven today right here in the earth. And we noticed, we, we saw in Genesis chapter 1 that man's purpose His original intent, original design that God created him for had nothing to do with heaven. God never had an intention or a plan in place that said, one day I'll bring man back to heaven and we'll just have a big party up here on gold streets. Now, we've been looking at the the opportunities that we have in our lives. I call them opportunities. You might call them crisis. You might call them obstacles. You might call them struggles. You might call your co-workers at work uh, a hindrance. To your purpose, you may call you may call sickness and disease an obstacle that comes against you. But God looks at those things differently. He says that's an opportunity for you to bring heaven to earth, to change those scenarios, to change those situations by his grace and by his power. And so we've been looking at this, that God has designed us for the earth, but to incorporate heaven in our everyday lives. And so I hope that that has been Eye-opening for you. The title of my message today is, I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. You ever heard someone say that before? I'm in heaven. They, they, you know, usually women say that when they walk into a shoe store or, you know, a really awesome, oh, I'm in heaven. This, this is everything I need right here. What, is, what are they referring to? See, heaven is a picture of something that gives them unlimited resource. I'm in heaven. That means I'm in a place where I don't have to beg for anything. I don't. There's nothing that I need outside of what's available to me here. Heaven is a picture of heaven is a place where I have unlimited resources. I got everything I need right here. I could just live here. 
Right? I could just live here. You know, uh, Adam and Eve, they weren't in heaven. But when they were in the Garden of Eden, uh, I can promise you, I can assure you that they felt like that. They, they, they felt, I don't even need to go to heaven. I've got everything. I, I, every tree here is for me to eat from except for the one. Uh, I, I've got, uh, you know, I, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat or where I'm going to sleep. What, where am I going to live? What am I going to wear? I don't even have to think about those things. Heaven is a place where there's no worry. Heaven is a place where there's no worry. See, these are the pictures that we have of heaven. But we have we draw this picture out and it's like it's without our reach. But Jesus said it's within your reach. All that stuff that you're believing for, all that stuff that you're asking for, all the things that you need to continue on in your purpose that I've designed for you. It's all within your reach. He called it at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's within your reach. At hand means as far as you can reach, that's where it is. So we just have to reach out. Amen. But look what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 21. The New King James reads this way. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, why would the Pharisees ask such a silly question? Because that's all that Jesus talked about. See, Jesus was always talking about a kingdom. He was talking about the kingdom of God. He was talking about the kingdom of heaven. And just to let you know, the Jews, when they heard the word heaven, or whenever they thought about heaven, it was automatically synonymous with God himself. God was heaven, and heaven was God to the Jews. That's why kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are so interchangeable. Jesus isn't referring to two different kingdoms. There's a kingdom of God and a kingdom of heaven. It's one. But the Jews, when they heard the word heaven, they thought about God. They thought about everything that God had, everything that was available, everything that God provided for them. So when they heard the word heaven, they thought, oh, that's where God is. They weren't thinking about a place that they go to one day. They were thinking about God himself. It wasn't gold streets and mansions and, and uh, you know, no crying and no fear and no worry. They were thinking, that's God. Heaven is God. And so this is all that Jesus talked about. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so the Pharisees asked him this question. When is the kingdom of God coming? Now, the issue with the way that Jesus talked about it so much is that these people were looking for a literal kingdom. A literal government to come and take over the world. A takeover. A kingdom takeover. They were looking for someone to substantiate themselves as a king and plant or uh, set up an actual kingdom with citizens and with territory. Okay? They were looking for an actual government. And these are people that only knew bondage at this time. These people were not happy people. Jesus did not come at a time. The Bible tells us that Jesus came at a appointed time, at a certain time. See, God knows what he's doing. God sent Jesus at a specific moment when people were at their lowest. Jesus came to bring them up. Jesus came to raise them out. These people were under bondage. They had gone through four different governments. From the end of Malachi all the way through, they had gone through four different governments and they've ended up in the hand of the Roman government. 
Roman government was one of the most powerful governments to ever uh, 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 be on the face of the planet. They changed how governments operated. They changed how they took over territory. Most governments, they would go in, they would take over a territory. They would take people captive and bring them back to their country. But Rome didn't do that. Rome would send out people and they would take over territories and then they would set up a government in their territory. They would turn that territory into a Roman territory. And it would start looking like Roman culture. And they would teach them uh, how to talk and teach them how to write and teach them the traditions of Rome. And so what are they doing? They're expanding their territory. They're going out. They're no longer just bringing everybody back to Italy. They're expanding out. And so they do this. And so a territory that was once Jewish, that was God's land. This was the promised land. This was Canaan that we're in. This is the territory that God had told Abraham, this is yours. This is where my people are going to inhabit. This is where you're going to live. You're going to worship me. I will be your God. You will be my people. And now it's Roman territory. And Jesus shows up when the land that they're living in doesn't even reflect what God originally wanted it to look like. And so these people are waiting. When, when Jesus shows them and starts talking about a kingdom, they're like, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been looking for. We've been waiting for someone to come and set us free from all this bondage. So when Jesus gets up, think about how impactful this is now. Jesus gets up in Luke chapter 4 and he says, I have been anointed to set at liberty those who are captive. And what do you think they're thinking? They're ready for this now. They're ready. They're thinking, this is the man we've been waiting for. Eventually, if you look over in the book of John, you'll find that Jesus ended up having to withdraw from the crowd. Why would Jesus hide away? Why would Jesus go and have to go to a town called Bethany and hide out? Because the people eventually wanted to make him their king. Now, Jesus was king, but not in the sense that they were looking These guys were ready to start a revolt. These guys were ready to start a rebellion and take over the Roman government. But that's not how Jesus wanted to plant his kingdom. Look at how Jesus wanted to plant his kingdom. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God of God does not come with observation. That means you won't be able to look around. Look at the next verse, verse 21. Nor will they say, see here or see there. I'm not coming to substantiate a kingdom that is naturally visible. That you'll be able to say, oh, that territory over there, that is the kingdom of God. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, remember, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are interchangeable. We're talking about heaven. Heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. And he says here, I'm not coming to substantiate a kingdom that's naturally marked geographically has a territory. Because I'm taking the kingdom and I'm putting it inside you. Look at how the Amplified reads. Asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he replied to them by saying, The kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. Nor will people say, look. Here it is, or see, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, watch this, 
in your hearts, and among you, surrounding you. So here's the difference. In Genesis, we see God's kingdom naturally present in the Garden of Eden. And man was told to maintain that, to take care of that, keep this territory reflecting the kingdom of God. And so we saw perfection. Perfection down to the fact that they didn't even know they were naked. Absolute perfection. But because of sin, because of the fall of man, and because the enemy taking over and now ruling over this territory, he makes it look like him. Because that's what happens with culture. Culture follows the leader. We see our culture changing in America today because of a change in leadership. You need to be praying for the leadership of this country because we won't see the culture change until the leadership changes. There's a culture within this church because of the leadership that's here. For those of you that uh, were here when Pastor Brian and them were here before, the church probably looks a little different. And that's just culture. That's because a change in leadership takes place. That's not always a bad thing. It's dependent on the leadership. But culture changes based upon the leadership. And so now this world obviously does not reflect perfection. We know that. We see that. I just got done mentioning that the second something comes into the world, it's on an automatic downward spiral of decay. I mean, we're, we're, we, we love and we're excited about babies being born. But from the time they hit, it's boom. The clock is ticking. That's life. Because the enemy is ruling and controlling. But... Here's what Jesus does. He's, he came back. Obviously, we've seen by this point that Jesus didn't come to just die on the cross for your sins. He came to restore the kingdom. That was his ultimate primary purpose. And the cross was a means to the end. The cross was the assignment that helped him over, achieve his purpose. Because he died on the cross, sin can be removed from you so you can be placed within the kingdom because you can't be in the kingdom with sin. We've got to separate the two. But now that we're in the kingdom, Jesus says, I'm restoring this kingdom back in the earth. But it's not going to be like it was in the garden. You're not going to look around. I mean, I'm not restoring, uh, you know, uh, infinite, uh, infinite life to you once again and just absolute perfection. I'm restoring the kingdom, but I'm putting, putting it somewhere different this time. You won't be able to look here and, and look there and say, there's the kingdom of God because I'm putting it within you. But this is the exciting part. You are the vehicle that God chose to initiate the kingdom back in the planet once again. And until the kingdom is within you, it can't be around you. We are the primary factor to getting heaven into the earth. He took all of heaven and he placed it in us. So that we could share it with those around us. When his kingdom can rule in us, the kingdom can rule through us. It starts with us. I mean, it seems like we've been saying that statement for, for so long now. It starts with us. The kingdom of God begins inside of us. And now it's up to you and I to share the kingdom with everybody around us. You know people in your life right now that need the kingdom. In fact, I I love this statement. Everybody in the world is looking for the kingdom. 
People that are looking for money are looking for the kingdom. People that are looking for love are looking for the kingdom. People that are looking for the right relationship are looking for the kingdom. People that are looking for God are ultimately looking for the kingdom. People that are looking uh, to, for, for fame, they're looking for the kingdom. The kingdom answers everything that people need. It's all in the kingdom of God. That's why we're a kingdom church. We're a kingdom church. Not everybody's preaching that. A lot of churches preach, you need to get Jesus in your life so you can get to heaven. You need to get Jesus in your life so you can get the kingdom in your life. Because watch what happens. When, G- when, you make, when you come down and you repent of your sins and you make Jesus the Lord of your life. I said Lord, not Savior. Lord. A lot of people make Jesus their Savior. Savior is what he did, but Lord is who he is. He is Lord. Savior is past tense. Hey, thank you, Jesus, for saving me on the cross, man. I appreciate that. All right. But Lord is, I'm now changing every aspect of my life to align with what you want for me. So Jesus comes into your life as king, which means he's bringing a kingdom. Every king has a kingdom. You can't be a king without territory. I'm king. King of what? I don't know. I'm in charge. In charge of what? Stuff. No, every king has a kingdom. So when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he enters your life as king, which means he's bringing his rule with him. So what is my job? What's my responsibility? My responsibility is to align my life to his rule. And when you align your life to his rule, when you align your life to his kingdom, now all of heaven's provision is accessible to you. Now all these verses that we've been reading make sense. The first song we sing, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Matthew chapter six, the Lord's prayer on earth as it is in heaven. That makes sense now. Matthew chapter 16, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It makes sense. I am the vehicle that God is using to get heaven back in the earth. God has a will in heaven. This is what we saw last week. And God's will in heaven is his will on earth. He wants What he wants in heaven to be done on the earth. And so you and I are now the vehicles. Look at this over in Malachi chapter 3. You've probably seen this verse. We usually pull this out when we talk about money. I promise I won't talk about money. Not for a long time. (laughs) Amen. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. I love how God just, he just comes out, look, if you take care of my stuff, I will take care of your stuff. If we could just develop that trust within us, if you will take care of my stuff, the tithe is not the last thing that comes out, it's the first thing. When you get your paycheck, go ahead and deduct 10% because that's what really belongs to you. If we could just get that in our head, it would be so habitual that it'd be easy to give. I made $500, so I really made 450 This check reflects 500 but I really made 450 because that 50 belongs to God. He's already carved it out. He's already written his name on it. That's the tithe. 
But he promises, if you'll take care of my stuff, I'll take care of your stuff. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. What's that mean? I want to give you access to everything I have. I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. He says, try me in this. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I don't know about you, but I've got room enough to receive. I've got room enough to receive. There are uh, several people and not many, maybe two or three people that I know that are on this earth today that don't have room enough to receive. I just got done uh, listening to a video last night from a very wealthy businessman, a Christian businessman out of Australia. He is so wealthy, he has his own currency. (laughs) He has his own bank and he has produced his own currency. He is no longer limited to the world's resources. And he's made it his life's goal to get the... He said, "I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians poor. I absolutely do not believe that that is God's will for man. God's God wants to use people to funnel money through. And his goal is not to be wealthy or to uh, accumulate a lot of wealth. He says, "I just want to get it through me. I just want to be a funnel." And this guy has had billions of dollars go through. He has an agenda to to go to churches across the world and get just one person in each church and start allowing them to put these business practices in place. Create millionaires out of them so that they can help advance evangelism in their church that they attend. It's for a purpose. God has so many resources. This was interesting. He, he, uh, he, he had a guy go and find out this is just the way his mind works. The guy, I think today is like 80, 83 years old, something like that. This is just the way his mind works. He wanted to find out, you know, they, the, the three wise men or however many wise men they had. It doesn't say three. We just, you know, think that because of the treasures that came. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And he said, I want, I want you to research and find out how much was that? How much was the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh? Well, there's no way we can find out. He's like, what if I pay you to do it? He said, okay, I'll find out. <laughs> He said, I'll finance it. I'll pay you to research this. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Guys came back after doing all the historical study and and going back, you know, and going through history and finding out what these things would have been worth. It came out to 400 million U.S. dollars. Jesus is 22 months old and he's given three gifts that accumulate to 400 million dollars. God knows how to get resources to you. But here's what I want you to see. Windows of heaven. What's that mean? He wants me at, he wants me to have access to heaven. Now God does not have huge windows up in heaven that he can just bust open. I don't know how I don't know about you. Maybe you've had this miracle. Maybe you have a money tree in your backyard. Or maybe you've prayed to God for finance and said, God, I really need this need met. And it just rained out of the sky, out of nowhere. Anybody had that? I didn't think so. Didn't think so. I haven't had it happen. But I have had people bless me. I have had people come up to me and say, hey, I'd like to take care of your meal today. I'd like to take care of your gas today. You know what? In fact, I've, been, I've done that. I've gone to people and blessed them. Hey, I don't know why. I just God put laid on my heart and gave you 50 bucks. The holy handshake, right? 
put the $50 bill in there, walk away. Yeah, I've been blessed by people. You and I are the windows of heaven. You and I are the windows of heaven. When God, look at this, when God wants to bless somebody, he's using another individual to do it. He says, I want to get heaven to these people, but I need you to submit to my rule and to my will and to my reign in your life. You are a window of heaven. But here's the scary part. If you can be a window of heaven, you can probably be a window to hell too. And we know those people that they lend themselves to hell more than heaven. They lend themselves, they want to get around you and they want to use their mouth for cursing instead of blessing. They want to take instead of give. They have a a selfish attitude. What is in it for me rather than I just want to pour myself out to you. But God says we can be a window of heaven. We are how we're going to get heaven in the earth today. This is not something. Listen to me. This is not something God is doing without using you and I. He's not doing it without us. We have to understand this. He has taken his kingdom once again that ruled and reigned on this earth when Adam and Eve were here. And he has been looking for individuals that will allow God to set up rule in their life so that he can set up rule in others' lives. You and I are the vehicle God has chosen, chosen He's not stuck with us, but he chose us because he loves us. And because he wants to make all provision available to us, he wants us to be the way he blesses the world. Heaven is not getting in the earth until it goes through us. But we have to let it take place within us before it happens around us. Again, we we, we come into contact. See, I, I love making things practical. I want you to be able to wake up tomorrow, go to work, punch in the clock, the time clock, and be able to put this stuff into practice. What good is coming to church and hearing a bunch of messages that you can't do anything with Monday morning? But every one of us has an opportunity to be heaven to somebody. You may go to lunch today, and you may get a waiter or a waitress that's just... Man, you can tell they're doing horrible. It's been a rough weekend. It's been a rough week. Man, they are there, obviously. There are some things on their mind. They're distracted. Are you going to be a window of heaven today? Are we going to find a way to bless them in spite of their service? Are we going to find a way to bless them in spite of how they interact with us and act with us? Are we going to find a way to be a blessing to somebody in spite of? Are we going to walk into situations that look like hell and bring heaven? God loves to change things. God doesn't ever conform to what's around him. God always changes what's around him. And just because you're around hell doesn't mean you have to fall in line. What opportunities will we have to bring heaven to earth? We are the windows of heaven. You and I can give a glimpse of heaven to people. People are looking for the kingdom. People are looking for heaven. And you and I have the opportunity to show them the way we talk. The way we live, 
the way we act and interact, the way we respond to situations. Look, sometimes it's not so much uh, what we initiate, but a lot of times it's just how we respond to things. I'll tell you what, you'd be amazed, and, and we do it too, you would be amazed at the assumption of the response that we think someone's going to give based upon an action we take, and vice versa. You would be amazed where someone does something or says something to you with an assumption that you're going to respond this way. In fact, they play it out in their minds. I'm going to go to this person, I'm going to tell them this, this, and this, and this is what they're going to say to me. They already know, right? They already have an idea. Well, go ahead and throw them off course. Go ahead and mess up their whole plan by walking in love rather than hate. Go ahead and and, and throw them off course and do what Jesus said. Turn the other cheek. That's heaven. That's what heaven does. You and I are the vehicles that God wants to use. Look at this in um, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I'm thankful for heaven. I'm thankful for all that heaven provides and all that heaven has available for me. But I'm thankful even further that God has given me access to heaven even while I'm here on this earth. Even while I'm here on this earth. It's not something I'm waiting for anymore. I told you when we first started, I said, by the end of this series, I want you to have less concern with getting to heaven and more concern with bringing heaven. And I hope that that mindset's beginning to change for you. I hope that you're beginning to see this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. That word, that word walk can be interchanged with the word live. Verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind, set their mind on earthly things. We saw last week that we were told to set our mind on things above, not on things below. You cannot live like heaven until you think like heaven. Heaven is a mentality. Heaven is a mindset. Heaven is a thought process. I allow heaven to take over my life as I begin to think in line with heaven, not the earth. But he says here that these people, they are enemies of the cross because they set their mind. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't that God chose them to be enemies. It wasn't that they just accidentally fell into sin. No, they chose to set their mind, fix their minds on things on the earth. For our citizenship... Is in heaven. Citizenship means that's where you belong. Now, we don't really understand a whole lot about citizenship. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that we take for granted here in the United States uh, just because we were born here and we've lived here. But we have access to things based upon our citizenship in the United States of America. That other people don't because they're not citizens. This is not where they can rightfully call home. You understand that because you're a citizen of the United States, the United States will back you up. 
The United States is obligated to help you. The, the United States is obligated to come to your aid. The United States, you have, uh, uh, there are responsibilities and obligations that your country has because you are a citizen of that country. And you didn't just sneak your way in. I mean, Paul had an issue with this one time. He, they were going to try to try him as a foreigner. He says, whoa, wait a minute. I'm a citizen. I'm a Roman citizen. This is my citizenship. That means there's a certain legal process you have to go through before we can carry this thing out. You can't just treat me like nobody. Your citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven for which, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Again, we see here that Paul was excited about eventually going to heaven because it would transform his body just for him to continue to carry on his purpose. He wasn't praying, Jesus, come take me home. I'm tired of being around all this mess. And he was around a lot more mess than you and I are. But we see here that our citizenship is in heaven. You have to think of heaven like a country. It's a country. It's a nation of people. And that is who our citizenship is with. So why are we down here submitting ourselves to the resources and to the limitations of our world? No, we're citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven that have been sent for a purpose. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What we set our mind on determines what we reflect what we set our mind on determines what we reflect. You're a reflection. Are we a reflection of the world? Or are we a reflection of heaven? Are we setting our mind on the mess and the stuff and the junk in this world? Or are we taking opportunities to set our mind on things above so that I can walk into every scenario into my life and reflect heaven in that scenario? based upon where I set my mind on. What we set our mind on determines what we reflect. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, let's begin with verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then watch this. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Through us. God wants to operate in the earth, but he's not going to do it apart from or outside of using you and I. We are the vehicle. 
We are how God wants to get heaven into the earth. Now, what is an ambassador? Let's define an ambassador real quick. An ambassador is someone that is sent from a home country. He is sent from a home country. And he is always sent to a foreign country. So he is someone that is from one place, but he is placed within another place. An ambassador is always sent by a higher authority. There's always a higher authority that sends an ambassador to another country. And they are always sent for a purpose. It's not just to get rid of somebody. It's not just we've got too many people here. We need to get them out of here a little bit. Uh, No, they're always sent for a purpose. There's a reason why they are sent. Ambassadors do not conform to the culture around them. Ambassadors do not blend in. Ambassadors do not take on the face of what is around them, the culture that's around them, and forget where they're from. Forget their original citizenship. And simply defined, an ambassador is a representation of another. An ambassador is a representation of another. And you and I are ambassadors. An ambassador. What's that mean? We were sent from a home country, heaven. We were sent to a foreign land, the earth. We were sent for a purpose, not to be conformed, as Paul said in Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, Adam and Eve did not have to transform their minds. They were made perfect. They were made with a heaven mindset already. They knew, I'm here to maintain this earth and make it look like heaven. But now that we're born in sin, there's a transformation that takes place. You and I naturally can conform to the world. And so we have to change who we are, who we've become, how we think, how we talk, and we have to transform ourselves by renewing our minds. How do I renew my mind? Set my mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Your thinking is the number one way how you're going to get the kingdom of God within you. He's going to use your mind. He's going to use your thought process. He's going to use how we think because how we think will change. How I act will change my actions. Here's what I want you to see from this. You are an ambassador for Christ. When we talk about heaven, we talk about a lot of valuable things. We talk about streets of gold. We talk about Mansions. We talk about the presence of God is there and all the angels and just the glorious atmosphere is there. But here's what I want you to see. If you don't get anything else out of this, I want you to see this. You are the most valuable treasure heaven has to offer. You and I are the most valuable, the most important thing that heaven has to offer 
The most valuable thing isn't streets of gold. You have been sent from heaven to this earth. And instead of wanting so badly to go to a place, we've got to start wanting so badly to bring a place. We should get down here and be moved by the hurt and the pain and the things that we see going on in people's lives, the things that we have going on in our lives. And we are the ones that say heaven has the answer for that. And I can bring heaven to you. I have access to heaven. I have the keys to the kingdom. I have keys. I have access. I have the authority by God himself. He has sent me here to let you know there is a place. And I'm not telling you about a place that you can go to one day. I'm telling you about a place that I can make available to to. Uh, to you today. If you say this prayer with me, you can access heaven and bring it into your life. We just prayed for those that are dealing with sickness right now. They need heaven. Because what does heaven have? Heaven has healing. Heaven has all provision. If it's lack that you need, heaven's got provision to take care of the lack. If it's resources you need, heaven's got that. If it's love you need, heaven has love. Heaven has everything we need to access, not only for our lives, but to get to other people's lives that we see that are hurting, that we see that are dying. And instead of inflicting upon them the, uh, you know, getting out of hell and going to heaven, we need to start leading people to bring heaven to earth today. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. This is what Jesus prayed for his disciples. Look, you've been sent here for a purpose, you're not an accident. God designed it. God orchestrated it this way. God designed it that you be his people called by his name, that he will be your king. He will be your God. You will be his people. And through you. See, no one's getting saved or born again without a person. It may be Billy Graham on a television set. It may be a co-worker witnessing to them. It may be them coming to church and just saying, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I, I'm going to try here. And they hear a pastor. It could be whatever, but it's going to be a person. No one is being blessed without a person. It's God that's bringing the resources. It's God that saves people, but he's using individuals to do it. So John chapter 17, Jesus prays this for his disciples in verse 15. Verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Out of the world. Well, that just destroys everything that we think Jesus came for. Jesus came... To save me from the world. Jesus came to take me out of the world. And he says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I wonder if we've ever really read that verse. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That sounds a lot like Adam and Eve. God's answer for 
staying away from the snake, the evil one, wasn't, let's bring them back to heaven. His answer was, let's just keep them away from the evil one. How do I stay away from the evil one? James tells me, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What would have happened if Adam and Eve submitted to God rather than get away from the evil, or rather than submit to the evil one? They'd still be here today. God wasn't going back and saying, man, I I should have just brought them back to heaven. I knew it. I knew that wasn't going to work out. I should have just brought them up here. We should have just all hung hung out up here. No, his answer was, just obey my word, and you'll never have to deal with the snake. Just don't eat the fruit of the tree. Just don't eat the fruit. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And he's identifying right here. I understand they, when they're in the world, it's not it's not going to gel. We, we, we say this a lot that what we do and who you become a new creation, a new creature in Christ. It should be unnatural to do the things that we used to do. It's unnatural to walk in love towards someone that's hating on you and talking about you. It's unnatural To go about life like you have all provision when the bank account says there's a deficit. It is unnatural. It's unnatural to do the things that heaven does in the midst of a world that is so opposite and so contrary to what heaven is. And so he says right here, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Look at Jesus' life and look at the things that he did that were unnatural. It was unnatural to have contact with lepers. It was unnatural to go out on a lake in the middle of a storm. It was unnatural to walk on water. It was unnatural to believe God for provision and multiply some fish and some bread. It was unnatural to say, we're out of wine and to say, bring me pots of water and we'll just turn it into wine. It was unnatural and that's all that Jesus did was unnatural stuff. Why? Because he said, I'm here to bring heaven, not conform to the world. We've got to get occupied with bringing heaven instead of getting preoccupied with the world. The world has a system and the systems are flawed. The world has a government and the government is flawed. The world has answers for medical help and the medical help is flawed. The world has answers and they're all broken. All the systems are destructive. But God has the answer and it's in heaven. And he says, I want my will in heaven to be done on earth. And I need you because I'm placing the kingdom within you. Let's keep going. Verse 16. You are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Here's what you have to do. If you are going to bring heaven into the earth, you've got to be sanctified. Now, I know that sounds like a real holy religious word, but that word sanctify simply means this. Set apart. Set apart. 
Which means you've got to start identifying ways in your life that looks different than what the world is doing. Set apart doesn't mean you don't have interaction with sinners. Set apart does not mean let's go uh, find a, a, a little colony and let's just all group together and we're not going to have any contact with the outside world and we're not going to uh, come into contact with sinners. We're not going to shop where they shop. We're not going to eat where they eat. We're not going to do what they do. We're not going to hang out where they hang out. We're not even going to talk to people in the world. Jesus was amongst the biggest messes, but he was still set apart. He could be in the middle of the mess, but he still remembered, I'm the answer to this mess. You will not bring heaven to earth until we are set apart. Set apart. Sanctified. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Look at verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also send them. Did you know that you have been sent here for the same purpose Jesus was sent? You were sent to do what Jesus was sent to do. I mean, I'm supposed to go die on the cross? No. See, we're, we're getting assignment and purpose all mixed up again. Jesus' purpose is your purpose. Your purpose was Jesus' purpose. What's that? To restore the kingdom. We're here to restore the kingdom. When I talk about heaven, I'm talking about a kingdom. When I talk about heaven, I'm talking about a country and a nation. When I talk about heaven, I'm talking I'm not just talking about some glorious place that's, you know, in the spirit and you know, if we can fly high enough, we can get there one day. No, I'm talking about a place that is accessible in our lives today. I'm talking about a kingdom. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a rule. And when I allow God to rule in my life, then I can allow him to rule around me. Did Jesus allow God to rule in his life? Absolutely. How many times do we see Jesus say, not my will, but your will? How many times do we see Jesus say, I don't do anything on my own initiative? I don't do anything out of my own will or out of my own desire. I only do that which the Father tells me to do. I do what he tells me to do. I go where he tells me to go. And I say what he tells me to say. What's he doing? I'm bringing the kingdom to the earth. I'm bringing heaven to earth. Jesus showed people what heaven looked like. And he says, I have been sent. To restore the kingdom. And I'm sending you out to do the same thing. I love the fact that just about everything that Jesus did in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the disciples and apostles did in the book of Acts. We are the book of Acts. We are the book of Acts. They were healing people. They were setting people free. They were delivering people. What were they doing? Restoring the kingdom. They were doing what Jesus. They were doing just what Jesus said and did. I am bringing God's will in heaven to the earth. 
Oh, is this a lame man? Yeah, what are you looking for? You're looking for money. You're just looking for somebody to meet a financial need just to get you. You're, you're, you're just surviving. You're not thriving. But here, let me tell you this. Rise up in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Leprosy, not a problem. Demons, not a problem. Lack of resource, not a problem. They were bringing heaven to earth. They were showing mankind. They were going into Corinth. They were going into Ephesus. They were going into all these different cities. They were going into Rome. They were going in all these places, bringing heaven to earth. And that's what you and I are called to do. So instead of waiting around for heaven, let's start bringing heaven. Don't tell somebody that is sick that, you know, one day when we all get to see Jesus in glory, we'll never have to deal with this sickness stuff. Won't have to deal with the flu. You know, in heaven, it's always 72 degrees. There's no weather change. There's no flu season in heaven. Well, then there's no flu season here. Come on, this has got to be real to us. Heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. Well, you know, in heaven, all my bills will be paid for. Well, all your bills can be paid for here. You know, in heaven, gas will always be 99 cents. I remember when I filled up my truck. $20. I had a little red Chevy S10. $20. Gas was 99 cents. <laughs> a dollar a gallon, and it was a 20-gallon tank. 20 bucks, man. No problem. We're excited to see 275 right now. In, in heaven, there's no, there's, you know, gas prices don't fluctuate. In heaven, everybody will love me. In heaven, my husband will do the dishes. In heaven, my children will do everything I tell them to do. Right? In heaven, I will be able to take my kids out to eat and they won't embarrass me. In heaven, Gluten won't hurt me. <laughs> right? We got, all these, we got all these things that we're waiting for heaven. Let's start bringing heaven to earth, guys. The things that we see the enemy doing, we see the enemy hurting people, we see the enemy doing just what Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to bring life and life more abundantly. More abundantly. I want to know life more abundantly. I don't know about you. Everywhere I go, I see people hurting. Everywhere I go, I see people that are surviving, just trying to make it through another thing. The only thing they fight for in life is a paycheck. We wake up every morning way too early. We get in the same traffic. Go to the same job that we hate. Do the same thing over and over all day long. Get off of work at the same time. It's still too late. Being asked to do way too much and being paid way too less. Get off work and get right back in the same traffic. Go back home. Do the same routine. At night, there's got to be something different, guys. And it's because we have been conforming. Well, we've got to start transforming. And you don't change what's around you until you change what's in you. We've got to understand that God wants His rule to reign in our lives.
lives inside us. There's things he's been asking us to do and we haven't submitted. But I promise you, when you submit to his way in your life, you'll see life around you change. You'll see people around you change. You'll start finding ways to meet needs instead of always being the need. You'll start finding ways to reach out then, rather than always reaching for someone to get, you some, get something to you. We'll start being a blessing. We'll start being givers instead of takers. Father, I thank you this morning that you have placed, you have placed heaven within us. We are your most valued treasure. We are the most valuable possession, prize that you have. May we change our mentality of going to heaven to bringing heaven. Father, we want to see your will done. We want to see your kingdom come in our lives, in our homes, in our finances. But that means that we have to allow you to reign. Your kingdom doesn't come where we don't allow you to reign. If we haven't allowed you to reign in our finances, if we haven't been obedient to give the tithe and to give the offering, if we haven't been obedient to submit to your will with our checkbook, if we've been relying on our paycheck, relying on our job to be our source, Father, we, we, we can't see heaven come into our finances because we've shut you out. Everywhere we don't let you rule, you can't change. If we don't let you reign in our marriage, if we haven't been submitting to you in our marriage and in our home, then you can't bring heaven to our marriage. If we haven't submitted to your rule and to your reign in our homes, Spending time talking about the right things. Turning the junk off the TV. Start putting the right things on. Start to spend quality time with each other. Then we won't see you invade our homes. We won't see you change the atmosphere in our home. There, there, there are so many people that don't even want to go home. Because it reflects hell, not heaven. But Father, we let you rule, we let you reign, we let you change, we let you come in, change whatever, because until we change what's in us, we can't change what's around us. Father, we submit to your will and to your authority, we submit to your kingdom, and I thank you, Father, that we will see your kingdom come. We will see your will be done in our lives, in our homes, in our jobs, in everything that we touch. It will prosper because we allow your kingdom to reign within us. Father, I thank you that we have a mindset, a mentality, that we have access to all the provision, all the resource that you have available to us in heaven. I thank you that we can bring heaven to earth. We thank you for this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If our ushers will... Move now, begin to pass the offering bucks. If you need an offering uh, envelope, please raise your hand real high and our ushers will get you one. Amen. We appreciate your continued giving.